Good morning, Restore Church. It is good. It is good to be here. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Kevin McNeil, and I am a church planter here in residency at Restore. And that means uh, last September we got here, and this September we'll be moving, and we'll be going to Goldsboro, North Carolina, to plant another church. And so I'm grateful that Roger has allowed me not one, not two, but three weeks to be able to, uh, to speak to you guys every week. Uh, Lanier yelled at me after the first service because apparently if I walk a lot and I move a lot, and if I go off of this rug, this microphone gives a lot of feedback and it explodes your eardrums. So I'm going to try my best to stay within. The, the limits that Lanier has given me. Uh, hey, before we get started, uh, let's, let's go to God in prayer. God, we, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you so much for uh, these people in this room and this gathering. God, we thank you uh, <clears throat> for Jesus. We thank you that, that we're all here because of him and what he did for us uh, years ago on a cross. God, we pray that you would give us your spirit and help us as we dive into your word. Um, God, help us to understand what you would have us understand this morning. And we love you and we serve you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to tell you a story this morning about a guy named Doug Francis. And in order to tell you that story, i got to back up and tell you a little bit of a backstory. You see, I was in college, and uh, I was hanging out with my best friend named Corbin. Corbin and I are really tight. In fact, this week I called Corbin. We call each other on a monthly basis. We have always been really, really close. And we were working out and lifting weights at our school gym. It was kind of like a tiny room. And this guy comes in and has, he brings with him a, pr a pair of professional boxing gloves. Now, I'm not talking about the kind that you buy at the dollar store for your little nieces and nephews. I'm talking about the kind, the real deal, that they don't protect your face, they protect your hands uh, when you punch someone in the face. Like, these are real, heavy, legitimate boxing gloves. And so he set them down, and we kind of knew him. And what I did was I took a boxing glove, and I punched Corbin with it. And Corbin grabbed one, and he punched me with it. And so we start fighting and hitting each other. And this guy comes back, and he says, hey, you know, I know you guys are having a good time. I have another pair of those in my car. Do you want me to go and bring them, and you guys can legitimately spar? And we looked at each other, and we said, what kind of question is that? Of course we want you to bring this other pair, and of course we want to fight. And so Corbin has his pair. I have my pair. We touch gloves, and we just go at it. I mean, we are punching each other and hitting each other. And let me tell you, you do not know how out of shape you are until you box for three rounds with someone that's way better shaped than you. So after it's over, man, I am just tired. I'm exhausted. I'm sweating in areas that I didn't even know you could sweat from. Uh, I'm just dead. And I told Corbin, I said, man, I I've been trying to like, get back in shape. This seems like some good cardio. What if we did this every week? And he said, man, I'm down. We could do it every week, same, same time, same place. Next week, let's do it. I said, okay, I'll be here. And so the next week, I showed up, but I brought a friend, and Corbin brought a friend, and we had four people, and we all took turns sparring each other. It was a lot of fun. And then the next week, this guy wanted to come, and, and then the next week, that guy wanted to come, and then those guys wanted to join in. And around week number five or six, uh, we had about 12 people that were coming every Monday night, and we would all take turns fighting each other. And then I just had this realization, I just started a fight club, you know? It's kind of awesome. I was like, dude, this is sweet. And so in the middle of it, I, I had this thought like, man, this probably is not the best idea. 
I mean, like, somebody could probably get hurt. I don't even think we're technically allowed to be doing this at school. I don't know that this is the wisest thing to do. But then another side of me said, dude, I started a fight club. Like, of course we're going to keep doing this. And so we, we try to keep it on the down low. And we keep doing it again for our next few weeks. And I knew that something uh, was getting out of hand when I got a tap on my shoulder. And it was a guy named Doug Francis. And Doug said, hey, Kevin. I said, what's up? And he said, uh, I heard that you guys fight every Monday night at 9 o'clock. And I turned around and I said, Doug, I don't know what you're talking about, man. I don't know who told you that, but they're lying to you. And he says, dude, 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 dude. no, 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 I'm not, I'm not mad. I'm not going to get you guys in trouble. I want to come and participate. And I said, man, I don't know. We already got like so many people. And I said, sure, what the heck, come on, all right, come on down. And so that Monday night, Doug Francis shows up and, and uh, he's ready to go. And the first fight that happens, he wants to fight me. I don't know if he's trying to prove something to himself because I'm a really big guy and he's not that big of a guy. And he's like set on fighting me. I said, okay, I'm always up for a challenge. I put my gloves on. He puts his gloves on. And before we touch gloves, I start asking Doug uh, if he's ever done this. I say, Doug, have you ever, have you ever actually boxed before? Because like this could be dangerous if you have it. And Doug doesn't care. He's like, yeah, yeah, I know how to fight, man. I'm good. Let's, let's do this. And he just seems kind of like ready to go. And so I say, Doug, Doug, listen, it's, it's really important. You need to keep your hands up. And I start giving him some instruction, right? I say, you need to keep your hands up. You need to guard your face. You need to be able to get down low and weave and protect yourself, protect your lower body, protect your upper body, you know, no below the belt shots. And I'm, I'm trying to go through all these rules. And Doug just refuses to listen. I mean, Doug is like, come on, Kevin. Yeah, I know what I'm doing. Let's go. Let's do this thing. Hurry up. Other people are waiting. And so I'm like, are you sure? And he says, yeah, let's go. So I said, okay. And we touch gloves. And immediately, I just start giving it to Doug. I mean, I just start punching this dude in the face time and time and time again. And Doug is doing this thing where he's not protecting himself. His hands are down here. And so as I'm punching Doug in the face, I'm yelling at him. I'm like, hey, Doug, keep your hands up. I want to punch you in the face. And Doug's like, it's fine. It's fine. Boom, I'll punch him in the face. All right. And this happens over and over and over again. I'm yelling at Doug to do, just put your hands up and protect yourself. And Doug refuses to listen. And so after 10 minutes of me just punching him in the face over and over again, Doug needs a break and we let some other people go. And then every time that night that Doug went up to fight someone, the same thing would happen. He would just stand there and just get hit in the face. And he would try to throw some crazy punches, but ultimately he lost. I mean, he just kept getting hit. And the same people would do the same thing. They'd say, Doug, put your hands up, protect yourself. You're going to get hurt if you don't. And Doug refused to listen. And finally, the last fight that Doug was in, he was fighting my friend Corbin. And the same thing, Corbin was just hitting him, and he's saying, hey, you got to keep your hands up, and Doug wasn't listening. And finally, Doug, I think, I don't know if he was mad or frustrated that he was losing, Doug takes his fist, and he throws the biggest punch I've ever seen, and he just goes in for it, okay? But he misses, and at the same time, Corbin just happened to be throwing a punch, and all of Doug's body weight is going down, and Corbin's fist is going up. And his face connects with that boxing glove. And Doug's body goes limp. And he falls on the ground. And we all look at each other and we think the same thing. Doug is dead. Okay? 
And we run over there, and we're trying, we're trying to, like, revive them. We're like, hey, man, Doug, Doug, you okay? But here's the thing. we got to be quiet about it. You know, like, I don't know if y'all did this as kids. If you get in trouble, and you, you want to make sure your sibling's okay, but you can't let anyone know what happened, you know? You're like, hey, don't cry, don't cry. It's okay. I'll do your laundry for a week. Don't tell mom. Don't tell dad. Whatever you do. So we run over to Doug. We're like, Doug, 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 you okay? And we're kind of, like, smacking him in the face. And we're like, wake up, man, but don't make a lot of noise when you wake up. It's okay. And so he gets up, and we give him some water, and we find decide, hey, it might be a good idea to take a break from Fight Club, okay? Everything was fine. Everyone was okay. Uh, and so we say, okay, let's, let's count it as lucky, and let's learn our lesson. Let's stop this Fight Club. Everything's fine. Everyone goes home. And then the next day, the next morning, I get a phone call, and it's from my boss. And he says, Kevin, Doug Francis is in the ER right now, and there's a 95% chance that he's going to have to have plastic surgery. And I said, whoa, what happened? And he said, well, he, uh, he apparently was in some sort of fight, fight like boxing club, and uh, he broke his eye socket. He said, do you know anything about that? And I said, no idea, boss. I don't know what, I don't know what he got himself into. And so I hung the phone up, and immediately I called Doug. I said, Doug, what are you doing, man? Why are you in the ER? And he said, man, last night I went home, and I went to blow my nose. And as soon as I started to blow my nose, I felt, he says, I felt my eyeball start to come out. And he says he had to grab his eye and shove it back in. <laughs> I'm just like, what in the world? And Doug, fortunately, did not have to have surgery. Everything healed on its own. But we got into so much trouble. We caught a lot of flack because apparently universities don't like it when you start fight clubs on their campuses. It's pretty weird. But see, Doug, Doug got into a lot of trouble. He got in a lot of serious, like, you know, health problems. He broke his eye socket because he wouldn't put his hands up. And we would constantly tell him, Doug, keep your hands up. Doug, protect your face. But Doug never listened. This morning, we are continuing our sermon series called Words with Friends. And uh, if you joined us last week, you know that, and if you've ever played the game Words with Friends, it's kind of like Scrabble, right? You got letters, and these letters have values. And you can take your letters, sometimes if you have really good letters, you can make a really big word, and it's worth a lot of points. Sometimes you got some dinky letters, and you make a word, and it's not worth that many uh, points. But sometimes, even if you have dinky letters, and you make a tiny word, depending on how you play it, and depending on where you place it, the tiniest word can give you the most points. And we said, this is true in our relationships today. We exchange words with friends, and our words are powerful. Our words have value to them. Our words carry weight, and they affect people around us. And last week, we learned that our words are actually connected to our hearts. And so if you are a person that is just constantly picking fights and constantly angry and talking about people, maybe you need to check your heart. You might have some anger and some, some hatred in there. If you're a person that's constantly comparing yourself and gossiping and, and all up in each other's business, then maybe you might have some jealousy deep, deep down inside your heart. And we said before we even talk about how we can control what we say and think before we speak, well, you have to talk about our heart. That was last week. And this week, I want to talk about a crazy idea. I want to talk about something that our culture does not like. I want to talk about something that we generally do not like, and that's this idea of listening. I, I got a video on the screen. I want, I want you to watch it. 
Listen, Linda, honey, listen. Our favorite part of that video is when she's like, okay. And he's like, okay, then what? Like, listen, honey, Linda. It's this idea of listening. That kid does not like to listen. Children does not, they don't like to listen. Teenagers, we know they don't like to listen. But let's be honest, we as adults, sometimes we do not like to listen. Listening is not one of our strong suits. In fact, we are so bad at listening because we all have something to say. We would much rather be doing the talking. We all have opinions. We all have views, and we all want to share them, and we want everyone to listen to us, but it's hard to listen to other people. And we think we're right. We think we know how to solve all the world's problems if people would just listen to us. Just like this kid in this video, if you would just listen to me, listen, listen. I don't care about what you're saying. I care about what I'm saying. And so this morning, I want to dive into God's word, and I want to see what God has to say about this idea of listening. So if you've got your Bibles, flip open with me to James chapter 1. I'm going to be in verse 19. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, there are some on the edges of the uh, chairs of the rows. And you can grab one of those. If you've got a smartphone, you can use the, the Restore app or the Bible app. Uh, if you don't have anything and you just want to look at the screen, that's totally cool. But we would encourage you, if you don't have a Bible, steal one of ours, take them home, and let them be yours. Uh, you know, study it. It's awesome. <laughs> uh, James chapter 1, verse 19. <clears throat> it says this, it says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You all must be quick to listen. Now stop there. Don't close your Bibles. Keep everything open. Here's what I want to do this morning. I don't want to read this entire passage and talk about it. I want to break this down bit by bit. Like I don't want to just go chunk for chunk and talk about what James says. And the first thing he says is everyone in here, you should be quick to listen. Now, this is a pretty weird way to phrase being quick to listen. I can't hurry up my listening. I can't press fast forward on your mouth and make you talk faster so that I can hear you faster. What James is saying is that you should be eager. You should be eager to hear what other people have to say. You should be eager to listen. You should be quick to listen. It should be your first thing you do is that you listen. Proverbs uh, chapter 2, verse 1 says this. It says, my child, listen to what I have to say. Treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. I love that. Tune your ears to wisdom. That's what happens when we listen and we're quick to listen, is that we gain wisdom. We gain understanding. And James says the first thing you should do, you should be quick to listen. There's a really smart guy and uh, he wrote this book. His name is Stephen Covey. And he says this. He says, most people do not listen with the intent to understand. They listen with the t intent to reply. He says, most people, when you're talking, they don't really want to understand what you're saying. They're just listening so that they can counter your argument. 
They're listening and they're thinking about what they're going to say while you're talking. And James says, listen, you have to be quick, quick and eager to hear what someone says. There is not a better example of this than in politics. I know that the election is coming up, and here's what happens. You say all the time on TV and with your friends, you got one person talking about what they believe, and they're throwing everything out, and then the entire time the person that they're talking to, instead of listening, they're just thinking about how to overcome these arguments that this person just put in front of them. And sometimes they even interrupt each other, and so this person goes, and then this person, you know, just unloads on this other person, and all these people are just talking and talking, and there's so much talking, but there's no communication because they're there's no listening. And James says, listen, you have to be quick. You have to be eager to listen. This is the next thing he says. He should, says you should be quick to listen. And then he says, you should be slow to speak. And that's the same thing. James isn't asking you to talk like this. James is saying, think before these words come out of your mouth. In Proverbs 18, 13, it says this, it says, to answer before listening is folly and shame. There's a, uh, a contemporary English version of the Bible, and I like what they, the way that they phrased it because they just keep it so real. They said in Proverbs 18, he says, uh, it's stupid and embarrassing to give an answer before you listen. It's stupid and embarrassing to speak before listening. And James says, look, you got to be quick to listen. you got to be slow to speak. Think about the words that you say before you say them. And, and for some of you, that means not necessarily like listening to what they have to say and then say, okay, I've, I've thought about what I'm going to say, and I'm going to give you my opinion. I'm going to give you my take on it. Some of you, it means the first words out of my mouth are just going to be a question about what you just said. He said, Kevin, if I ask a question, then they're going to talk even more. Duh. You go back to being quick to listen. And so James says, you're quick to listen. You're slow to speak because you're trying to understand. You're trying to gain wisdom. You're trying to gain knowledge. Be quick to listen. Be slow to speak. And then he says this in the very next part. It says, be slow to get angry. Slow to get angry. You notice that the first two commands quick to listen, slow to speak. The third command is almost like a consequence of the first two. If you are, are quick to listen and you're slow to speak and you're really just understanding where people are coming from and you really, you know, you don't open your mouth without knowing everything, it's just naturally going to happen that you're going to be slow to get angry. It's like almost a consequence of the first two. But that's not the problem. The problem is this. In our day and age, in my day and age, in my life, this is how I normally operate. Maybe you operate like this. Uh, normally, I am slow to listen. I'm slow to listen. I'm quick to speak. And as a result, I'm quick to get angry. Right? I don't want to hear what you have to say. I know what I have to say in this relationship. I know the right answers. I am right. And so I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to be very quick to speak. And so there's going to be frustration. There's going to be miscommunication. And I am going to get angry. Because we all, we all have something to say, and we all think we're right. And, and here's the thing. James, we're not the only people that are like this. James's audience is like this. When you read his book, you flip through, and you see that he's talking to people that are greedy. He's talking to people that are selfish. He's talking to people that are racist. He's talking to people that are entitled. And he goes on and on, and he says, listen, you think that you have it right, but you think it's this way, but it's really this way. 
Because all these people think they know the answer and they're very quick to speak and they're causing all these problems. And as a result, there's so much anger. And James says, listen, be quick to speak, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. But why? I mean, is God just giving us these rules so that we can, you know, be nice to each other and be civil and communicate well? I think that God has a, a deeper meaning here and it's in the very next verse. He says, be slow to be angry. And here's why. In the next verse, he says, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Your human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. God has a plan for you and a plan to grow you. And your human anger, it just doesn't fit into that plan. We know that Larry disagreed with you at work, and, and how dare the boss even sided with Larry, but guess what? We know that you're mad, but that's just human anger, and that does not produce righteousness. God forbid your spouse disagrees with you on how you should spend your budget, on where you should vacation, on what car you should buy, on, on how you should deal with these family members, and you have difference of opinions, and you just don't understand why she can't see it or why he can't see it your way. You just don't get it. That's human anger, and that does not produce righteousness. I was uh, in Florida la uh, last week, and I was staying at a Marriott, <clears throat> and there was a guy in front of me at the counter, and this guy, uh, he was mad, like he was heated, and he was yelling at this clerk, and apparently he was a diamond member at the Marriott, and what that means is when you drive up to the Marriott, there are hotel spaces with signs that say diamond member parking only. Apparently, all the, the spots in the parking lot were filled, and so he was mad, and he was just letting this clerk have it. How dare you guys? I do this and this and this, and I've met all these requirements. You don't have my parking. Y'all need to get better parking, or you need to reduce this, 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 and he's mad, and I'm over here just looking at him like, what in the world is a diamond member, okay? I stay at Airbnbs and Groupons, all right? How much do you stay at this hotel? You know, you're so mad. <laughs> that is human anger. That's silly. It's silly anger, and it does not produce the righteousness that God has planned for your life. Notice here that this verse, it doesn't say don't get angry. It says be slow to anger. Notice that he says, hey, don't engage in human anger. What if God wanted you to get angry? What if God wanted you to get upset? Maybe not about silly things like being a diamond member and disagreeing in our relationships. What if God wanted you to get upset like Jesus got upset when he flipped the table and he formed a whip and he just starts driving people out of this temple? You see, Jesus got angry at the Pharisees for taking advantage of God's people. Jesus didn't get angry that Peter didn't put his laundry away after the third time he told him. What if God wants you to get upset about something? And so we have to ask the question, well, then how do we know? How do we know what God wants us to get upset about? And that's what happens in the very, very next verse. This is James bringing it all together for us. He says this. He says, <clears throat> so get rid of all of the filth and the evil in your lives. James says, take this evil, take this filth, take this mindset Take this attitude, this selfishness that's inside of your heart. Take this, this mentality and do away with it. Get rid of it. Get rid of this filth. Get rid of this evil that you have in your heart, that you have in your mind and your soul. And then he says this next word right here. He says, and humbly. 
You talk about a small word that means a lot. He says, humble yourself. Come to the point, come to the realization that you understand you're not the only one in the universe. That everything is not about you. God forbid someone be put in front of yourself. Come to this realization and humble yourself. Get rid of this attitude. Get rid of this mindset. Humble yourself. And then he says this. It says, then accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. He says, get rid of this mentality. Get rid of this selfishness. Get rid of this evil and this filth. And humbly, humble yourselves. Humbly accept God's word. Let it take root in your heart and let it change you from the inside out. He said, if you really spend time with God, if you really get to know who he is and get to know what he wants, let him change your life. Let him save your soul. And then you will know. You will know how God wants you to get upset. You will see the world the way God sees the world. And then to, to wrap it all up, James almost like, you know, puts it in a box and wraps it and puts a bow on it. He says this, if you look down just a few verses in verse 26. He says, if you apply this to your life, if you, if you are quick to listen, if you're slow to speak, if you're slow to get angry, if you apply this to your life, you don't get angry uh, at human things, and you, you humble yourself, you let God take root of your heart, and you see the world that he wants to see. It says in verse 26, it says, if you claim to be religious, but you can't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. That's the first thing. James says, look, if you can't control what you say, if you say you follow God, but you can't even control your tongue, you can't control the words that are spoken out of your mouth, maybe you're just pretending. Because last week we learned our words and our heart are connected. And so you can say this all you want, but if you really can't control what you say, maybe you're just fooling yourself. And if you claim to be religious, but you can't control what you say, your religion is actually worthless. And then James says this right here in verse 27. It says, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. James says, if you really want to get upset about something, let God take over your heart, see the world that he sees, and view the world through his eyes. If you really want to get upset about something, get upset about injustice. If you really want to get angry about something, man, get upset about all the evil in the world. Take care of the orphans. Take care of the widows. Keep yourself clean from sin. He says, if you want to get mad about something, get mad at the fact that there's 400,000 orphans in this country. You want to get upset about something, get upset that there's 800,000 women, men, and children that are sold into sex slavery every year. Get upset that North Carolina is one of the top 10 states for human sex trafficking. If you're going to get upset, if you're going to get angry, get angry at the things that make God angry. Get upset that 27,000 people last year in North Carolina are elderly and they had cases of abuse. Get upset at the sin in your life. He says, view the, way, view the world the way God wants you to view the world. Get upset at, at alcoholism. Get upset at addiction. Get angry at pornography. Get angry at murder. Get angry at racism. Get angry at these things. Don't, don't settle for human anger. 
Instead, be quick to listen, be slow to speak, and be slow to get angry. And when you do get angry, make sure that it's a justified anger. Make sure you get angry on God's part. And your words should reflect his heart. And so we're quick to speak. We're quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. This morning, I want to I challenge you to do three things. I want to challenge you to talk less, to listen more, and to love the most. I'm going to say that again. Talk less, listen more, and love the most. This is essentially what James is saying here. He's saying, look, you got to stop talking. Talk less and listen more. What does that look like for you in your life? What does it look like to talk less and listen more in your own marriage? Maybe for you and your spouse, you just ask questions. You get interested about their day when you talk less and you listen more. Maybe in your marriage, that means putting away the phone and giving them your undivided attention. I am terrible at that. Every time my wife talks to me, I am playing Xbox, or I am on my computer, or on my Instagram, or doing something, and it's so hard for me to just devote the few minutes it would take and give her my undivided attention. What would it look like if you talked less and listened more? What would it look like with your relationship that you have with your kids if you talked less and you listened more? What would it mean for you to stop constantly lecturing them and telling them what they need to do with their life? What would it take for you to just listen and maybe ask them questions, see how they're doing? Maybe for you, it means not blowing up when they make a tiny mistake, but maybe for you, it means apologizing when you make a mistake. Talk less, listen more, and love the most. What what would it look like in this community, in this church? If everyone in this room right now, if we left these doors and we all said, you know what, life's not about me. I'm going to spend my life getting to know other people. I'm going to spend my life in God's word and seeing the world how he wants me to see the world. And I'm going to talk a lot less. And I'm going to listen a lot more. What would it look like in your job? Imagine what it would look like in your family and in your community and your your circle of friends. Talk less, listen more, and then love the most. And you ask the question, what does it mean to love the most? How can I use my words to love people? How can I use my words to love the most? And that's exactly what we're going to talk about next week. Let's pray. God, we, we thank you. Thank you so much for your patience with us. God, when we just talk, 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 and we never listen, God, we, we thank you so much that, that you forgive us for that. And God, we just ask that you will help us. Help us to, to stop being so selfish. God, help us to, to talk less and to listen more, God, because that's exactly what you did. You sent your son, and your son died for us. He came down to earth, and he related to us. He saw what we were going through, and he became one of us. And then he humbled himself even though he didn't have to. Even though no one was making him, he chose to humble himself and die for us. And he got us right back with you. So God, we pray that we would reflect that in our lives. And God, I pray that you would help us this week to just talk less and to consider other people before we automatically jump to our own needs. So talk less, God, and help us to listen more this week and help our lives to be lives full of love. Help our words to be words full of love. And God, we thank you and we serve you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.